We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Grab the perfect get-up-and-go breakfast for you and your crew. Right now, two soft and fluffy fully loaded sausage burritos are just three bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with combo meal. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about boxes, trees, and a tiny bit of a disappointment uh, because the German title did not come through this week. Don't know what to tell you guys. I'm as sad as you are. Trust me. I'm Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Well, I was fine, and then you told me that the German title didn't come through, and now I just want to just drown my sorrows in my mango white claw. It's a mess. A mess. Well, this is season three, episode nine, Save Henry, which is also the German title. Uh, This is one of the final episodes in the Neverland storyline. In fact, they are heading back to Storybrooke as we speak, but they're getting a surprise visitor. Um, and this is an interesting one to talk about because it goes into a very serious topic, which is Regina's history with Henry, the adoption, how it all came together. Abby, we're going to have a lot to talk about this because they do a lot of, um, shall we say, muckiness with the timeline? Yeah, yeah, it's to say the least. <laughs> I I'm very confused. Like uh, this just all left me with a lot of question marks. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand either and I I love how they try to solve it at the very end by just giving Regina amnesia, but even that I don't think they did right. Yeah, that I I have so many opinions about this flashback scene <laughs> due to just the weird problematic nature of all of it. Uh, so yeah, least of all the weird memory thing and second to least of all the, the timeline stuff. So yeah, it's this wild episode top to bottom. Very wild. And we're going to actually start with the past. We're going to talk about Regina's history with Henry because a big part of this episode is... Regina and Emma working in tandem to 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 save Henry after uh, Pan uh, got his heart, and so you know we we already know Emma's story with Henry. We've learned a lot about it. We've learned about their growing connection because it's been shown on screen. But Regina is like they're really just starting to unpack just how much she loves Henry and what he means to her. And so they decide to go all the way back. 
We start with the day of the curse, and Abby, I immediately thought of you because the first shot of the episode. It's the, the curse! curse! I was like, oh, yes, 10 out of 10. Great, let's go. Yeah, this was... This is hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's it's the curse is the curse lands and um, we're back in old ye olden storybook. Yes, we are. Um, after Rumple and Regina have a little back and forth, where he reminds her, "You killed your dad, and one day you're not going to necessarily regret it, but you're going to notice there's a hole in your heart. You're going to come to me, and I'm going to fill it for you." And she's like. Uh, whatever. I, I don't believe you. And also, don't you like kind of want to get out of here and be free of this curse? And he says, no, honey, I'm where I want to be. What about you? And and I loved Regina's face in this moment because this was when she realized, oh, maybe I don't have everything under control. Yeah, I, I like this too because they also do talk about Rumple. Like, again, they only talk about this when it fits the plot line, but they do mention she's like, your little weird future thing, like the way that you can see the future, isn't always right. And it's just like, that's not true. It is always right, but it's not right in the way that it always, like, that he thinks it is. So. What does bother me is that most of the time is he is misreading the future. But everything with the curse and the way that he's doing stuff is just right on the money. So it's just it, – it's a weird inconsistency that I don't care for where it's just like he he was not wrong on a single bit. He was completely in control until he wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's messy and it's going to get messier, guys, especially involving Rumple because he is a big part of this whole past storyline and there's some – there's some legit like consistency problems with this storyline. Well, we we cut to many years later. Regina has enacted her curse. Everyone is in Storybrooke. She's living her best life. This is post, but she's also murdered a child's father, but she still misses that child. And so well, she thinks maybe I should get a baby. Okay, everything about I hate that the lesson learned was yes, a baby fixed this. I okay, which is problem numero uno. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been like what seventeen to eighteen years at this point. She's murdered a child's dad and and definitely put him on the path to put the son on the path to evil to ultimately get them to where they are now. Oh, the webs we weave. Uh, and she's having this like weird conversation with Hopper, and Hopper's being like the world's worst therapist yeah this is not this is not he's his job is to listen his job is to not tell her what to do and also telling someone a child is going to solve your problems is bad advice because a child isn't like getting a cat and even a cat like is a commitment a child changes your entire life and sometimes if somebody comes to you and says, I feel sad, I feel empty, a child's going to fix that. Your first response is, um, may, no, work on yourself first. Let's unpack why you think that. Like, you, you, like we, we talk through these things because, guys, I, and I know that I am just preaching to the choir, to our lovely audience here, but I'm just going to make sure it's vocally said. A child, first of all, 
having a child does not fix your problems. If your relationship is not working with your significant other, putting a baby in the middle of it is like putting a very large bomb in the middle of it. Children are tough. They're tough and they stress on your relationship. That's just how it is. That's not talking bad about having kids. It's just how it is. So trying to put one and it just doesn't work. But also using one as a health, like a mental health mode. It's like, I'm sad. Why are you sad? I'm sad because my dad isn't alive. Oh, well, then you should, you need to find a child. It's like, that's putting so much on a child for no reason. Like, a child shouldn't come into the world with a job. Yeah. So, that's where I'm at. Like, don't yeah. don't put anything on this kid. This kid shouldn't have a resume. <laughs> yeah, don't have, this is kind of like when people who are having troubles in their relationship decide to have a child thinking that that's going to fix it you you will you may love the child you probably will love the child with all your heart that does not mean that it's going to fix the problems you already have yeah and then it it also just there's a whole and we're going to start unpacking this as we go but there's this whole like mental health after you get a child conversation that never gets talked about uh but again this is pre Pre the, it's not even a mental health revolution because we're barely there. We're in our very little tiny baby steps on mental health awareness. But at no point, it's like you can get, you can have postpartum depression when you're adopting. Like there's like, I think there's a word for it. I don't know. I've never adopted, but I think there's like an adoption blues or mm-hmm. I don't know what the term is, but you get it because it's just like, it's all magical right up until that point. And then now you have this baby. Oh no, <laughs> it cries a lot. Oh, no. And it just, it's not as magical as you built it in your brain. This is exactly what ends up happening with Regina, because she decides she is going to adopt a child. And the moment that she makes that decision, it is, it is to the races. She immediately finds out there is a two-year waiting list at the very minimum. And even though she's waited 18 years and, you know, she's never aging. So for all intents and purposes, she could just wait it out. She decides to go around the system because she's quick mayor and goes to Mr. Gold and is like, hey, can you find me a bootleg baby? I, I hated all of this conversation so much. It was made my skin crawl. Find me, baby. Find me. Baby. I know that you know some like back channels and that like you can get around paperwork. What? Yeah, Regina, that's that's what we call human trafficking. Yeah, I I didn't want to. I thank you for saying I didn't want to be the one that said it. It got very. It got so close to that. Like I know, obviously, it's a much more terrible. But the way they were talking about it was just like, can you just like go out and find a baby in the streets and like, I don't know, magic one out of the air, maybe steal one from somebody. I don't care what you do, just get me a baby. Like she's just, and he's like, absolutely, I'll do that. I can one hundred percent do that. I don't understand. And there's a lot of questions too. Like how did they get out of Storybrooke? Like, whatever. Go ahead. Continue. Well, Regina, since she is awake. I guess. Stands to reason she can, she's the only one who can leave in addition to Henry and Emma. It, I mean, it doesn't quite track because, I mean, it's her curse. So of course she would set it up that she could leave. Mr. Gold wasn't leaving. He was just making a few phone calls, but they were very good phone calls because immediately there is a baby who was set to be adopted, but the adoption fell through 
Because it happens, apparently. I mean, I guess it does. But in this situation, it's all very sus. And she's now got a baby. She goes to Boston. She meets with the adoption agency, has like a job interview, and then immediately is like, here's the baby. I love that scene so much. (laughs) How This is not the process, right? Like, she has to meet the baby first before it's like, it's like getting a car. You wouldn't just be, you wouldn't just, I mean, this isn't CarMax. Like, she's not ordering it from a catalog. Like, I, she can meet the baby before deciding to take him home, right? I, everything about this scene, I, and and I'm sure it's it's also like, and again, in my head, there's probably a lot more fanfare and it it might seem a little bit more special depending on where you're at and that's fine. I don't know. I I will say up front, I don't know a lot about the adoption process. But what I do know is that if you're sitting in the office, because you're right, it did seem like a car transaction, like you were sitting in the financier's office and you were signing a few things and he was going over your credit score. And then you like sign the last piece of paper and he throws you the keys because he's like, listen, just so you know, this is not information, by the way, that you get as the last piece of information before Mm -hmm. someone shoves a baby in your hand of this is a closed adoption. You agree to a closed adoption. Like there's a process. You you agree to it. Um, you agree to that. And then like the fact that he doesn't point out because she's just like, I'm fine. I don't want to ever know the mother. Let's not look at the past. Let's only go to the future. The fact that he doesn't go, okay, but what if this kid has medical records that you need to look at? Like you won't be able to do that. Do you understand? That would all be part of that process. He's just like, cool. Sign here. Here comes Linda with a baby. Yeah. And the, and this is, a a detail that wouldn't necessarily need to be a part of the show, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out closed adoptions have a tendency to be much harder on a child than open adoption. In fact, agencies really advise against closed adoptions, not only for the sake of medical records, but because it's actually more, it can be more traumatizing for the adopted child to not have the option to know who gave birth to them. It's not going to change who their parents are. Their parents are their adopted parents. But closing that door has actually proven to be very psychologically traumatizing for some adopted children. So, and then just just to build on it just a little bit. And again, I know this is a TV show and it's fictional and it's everything. Adoption is a very real process that we could have at least maybe got kind of close to. Um, And I guess this could kind of be explained away by gold pulled these strings, but If you want to have a baby with your significant other, like, you can just have one. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just get pregnant and have one. Like, obviously, there's more complicated to it if you're having fertility issues. But it's just like, I didn't have to, like, sign anything. I didn't have to take any tests. I just decided to have a kid. My brain just decided to do that. If you want to adopt a kid, it costs you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars People come to visit homes. You have to have certain things in your house. Like there are home visits. They do background checks. They do all this stuff. You would not be sitting in an office in Boston and the guy not know where you live or anything about what you do. Like they know your fingerprints. Like they could draw them if they needed to. Like adopting a child is a whole situation. They made this seem so casual. Yeah, I like how he's like, Storybrooke, never heard of it. And she's like, yeah, it's a great town. And he says, I don't need to see it. She's I like, don't you should come see- visit. Nah, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm he plug- literally doesn't know where she lives. I'm going to plug sandals for no reason. Uh, 
God, it's just listen. We love our good sandals visit, but yeah, and oh, then it's can just I, like can okay. Abby, on that, can I just can I just do a really brief non sequitur? Because I finally watched some of He's All That, and the product placement in that movie blows my mind. Okay, so that movie is hysterical to me. I love hated hate loved. I don't know what the word whatever i was fine in that movie i was like this is whatever and then matthew lillard showed up and then i real like i felt like i woke up out of a trance and just went oh the only good part of this movie is him and everything else up to this has been a dumpster fight yeah oh it's completely but i just like i i was watching and like i even tweeted about this because i was like what the hell is happening like they're in the the guy's house with his sister and his grandma and they're just chilling in the living room like eating snacks and of course you know it's the snacks are a product placement it makes sense on the grandma's coffee side coffee table for no reason is a bottle of garnier fruity shampoo why is that in her living room on her coffee table where there's no water Listen, <laughs> did she forget it Listen, you know what? I feel like as somebody who occasionally just puts things places, sometimes you just, you're not expecting company. You just got home from the store. You put it up on the counter like, hey, I bought you this. Here it is. And then you put it on the counter or or you put it on the thing for no reason. That is not a detail they did on purpose, but I'm just saying. (laughs) That's just terrible. It's, I love those kind of product placements. The set dressing dressing in that movie is out of this world then the moment the moment they decided to name the main girl oh no what was her name um paget paget the moment they were like yes let's green light paget it was it was, it was all, all over. over it was all over it's all over so yes <laughs> all right well anyway back to once upon a Plugging time because we, we, yes. we, we're, we're in a hurry we got an adoption to take care of because this thing takes like five minutes we gotta get it. she's got they don't even check her car for a car seat which by the way, because I'm going to forget about it when we start yelling about amnesia and stuff. Henry is never, he, baby Henry is never car seated correctly. And it drives me bonkers because the chess piece is all the way pushed down. It's a chess piece. It goes on his chest. You put it on the sternum. This has been Car yes. Seat Talk with Abby. <laughs> oh, and there was also the point in the hospital when uh, when they're checking him, Regina and Dr. Whale walk away from the baby lying on the hospital without any kind of s- strap or anything by himself. I mean, sure, he's little. What if the- he learns to roll <laughs> right in that moment? It could happen. He rolls onto the floor. So unconscious just, baby. We're going to take one more caveat just because I want to talk about it because it's my favorite story is the first I told you so moment of my motherly life uh, was... I kept trying to tell my husband, you cannot put baby dragon on places. Like you can't just prop him on the couch. You can't put him up on the changing table and walk away if he's not strapped down and stuff. And he's like, he doesn't move. He doesn't roll anywhere. He can't roll. He, it was a morning. He propped him up on the, (laughs) propped him up on the couch and he was wearing this little hood, which thank goodness he was wearing the little hood and he propped him up there and he's just like you know how babies they're just like no bones at a certain time he's like and i went you can't keep him like that he's gonna fall and he turns and he looks at me goes he's like you gotta stop being like a helicopter mom he's gonna be fine and i look over and i swear to god it was in slow motion and i just see his whole head go forward and he somersaults off the couch 
and he hits the ground. He was fine. He had a little bit of a bruise on his forehead. He he didn't even cry. Like he looked more surprised than anything. And I just picked him up and I had that like look, that thing you do when you like look at your like husband. I was like, mm, I told you. And he was just, okay, you know what? You'd, okay, fine. But it was just that moment of watching him go in slow-mo. Like, this is it. There it goes. Well. Who was right? And so, yeah, I, I am always looking for the, like, car seat thing. And then, yes, just abandoning children up in high places, not belted into your, uh, not belted into a seat car seat at that point. He's just, like, free-flowing in a car seat. He's free-flowing so she can pick him up and, and hold him. And and his hat was, like, over his eyes all the time. I don't know if that, maybe this was, like, maybe this was because the set lights were too bright for the baby or something. I don't know. But it was, like... Like, this baby is crying constantly. And I'm like, Regina, just lift his goddamn hat. He can't see. And I don't know if, and this is just one more thing. Uh, I don't know about you. I can't deal with long-term baby crying in episodes. Like, I kind of clocked out at a certain point. Because it just, it was just like, my brain just kept like, I, it, it, it not, I'm not going to say triggers me. But it's just one of those things where it, it starts to stress me out. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I should be doing something. I should be fixing this. I should be, there's something I'm supposed to be doing. So, yeah. Anyway, let's let's talk about how Regina is like a bad mom for 12 hours and questions everything. And no one says, this is normal. No one tells this poor woman that this is normal. Well, like, Granny tries, but Regina's not listening. Yeah, this We have this whole montage after she names the baby Henry, after her father, fulfilling the prophecy that she would want to fill the hole of killing her father left behind. And I found it really weird that the guy's like, calls it an old world name. It's not. not. A, it's not. Like, it's an old fashioned name. Yeah, but old world is like, it's like specifically like, oh, it's because it's from the enchanted forest. I get the reference. Yeah, Henry, quite the, quite the weird fairy tale name. But like, let me tell you, like, when, when Tim and I, when I was pregnant, uh, we'd go to, um, we were very excited because we'd already picked the name Henry. We'd go to the park in Brooklyn and every, I swear, every two minutes we'd hear some mom yell, Henry! Henry. Henry. And I was like, God damn it. I have good reason for this name, but damn it. Anyways, uh, well, I mean, um, I named my kid after a king as well, like a like an English king as well. Uh, an old world I get, king. I get told a lot that it's just like, oh, good. I'm so glad. I love his name. But usually what they're saying is they're they're being very judgmental about other people's names for no reason. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't, don't name shame because you like my kid's name. My kid's fine, but I'm just boring and couldn't think of a better one. Uh, also, I... That's usually when I tell them that I've spelled his name with like four Y's and a Z, uh, just to really, just really screw with them. <laughs> well, she so she takes the baby home, and yeah, he's he's fussy, he's crying, he's he's having a hard time. At maybe it's because he has been jostled from family to family, from person to person, and he's finally has a place to calm down and breathe, and it's a lot for him because he's a tiny baby. He's just born just brought into this world and Regina, but you know, like Regina doesn't know what to do. And I get her frustrations in so many ways. Mm -hmm. She feels like a failure. She feels like she can't do it. She also is angry because as the evil queen, she was obsessed with being in control. And here's something she cannot control no matter what she does. 
and so she's like she even goes to the doctor and it's like give him a blood test give him an x-ray dr whale is the world's worst pediatrician like (laughs) just babies cry it's like you couldn't even say that he might have colic like babies who cry a lot they just kind of blanket diagnose them with colic if they seem to be fine Mm -hmm. uh he's not even doing that being like hey look man babies cry i understand but i see nothing physically wrong with him so i'm not gonna run a bunch of invasive tests on him uh but but maybe if we knew the baby's background we could i hated this so much because like you know dr whale if he was a pediatrician which he is not and i'm guessing there's probably one in town like you a doctor would show regina some trick tips on how to cuddle him he's just give him cuddles i'm like okay maybe show her some good cuddles for when he is crying there are specific holds you can do you know the chin hold you know on the tummy on the back like there's a lot of different ways that you can hold a baby to help calm them down when they're feeling very fussy especially when they're newborns he doesn't do any of that he's just like cuddles no okay then we're gonna need the mom's full medical background but you can't have that so he i don't know what's gonna happen with this baby uh so uh, this is just me saying nothing but uh, when i was when i was in the hospital after i gave birth to my tiny baby dragon uh the nurse taught us to swaddle uh and my husband has always been better was always better at swaddling like it was like a like we always called it like he was rolling like a, a cigar like it was amazing like he could grab and rely i never figured it out at all uh but i did what regina did Regina went like heavy into researching adoption and how to get the kid and all the stuff. All of my information was about pregnancy. I knew everything. I read every single thing about every single day of your tri- each trimester. I knew exactly how hospital visits would go. I knew exactly what to do and what to ask for and how to get through my first birth and my C-section and everything. They handed me that baby and my knowledge stopped. I had done no research on having a baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, (laughs) what do I do with it? I got it. (laughs) Shit. And so it was like, I didn't know how to swaddle. I didn't know, like, feed. I barely knew how to, like, because I did breastfeeding. I didn't know any of that, but I had the pump, and I had researched it. It was a very good pump. Did not know how to use it. (laughs) It was a whole situation. Like, I was like, oh, no, I stopped researching at a certain point. Uh, So that's what Regina did. Regina did all of her adoption research, but then was like, I have a baby, like a dog that caught the car. What do I do? Oh, God. (laughs) Well, she thinks the solution is to uh, get the birth mother's full medical records. So she goes to Sydney to likewise get around the system. She's just full pro black market when it comes to little children. And I don't I don't care for it one bit. Again, I like that we don't have the actor for Sydney. So he's just saying lines into a phone. Yeah. Um, I. I would also like to, now that I thought about it, that I just told that one story. I apologize. This episode is going to be two hours and just Beth and Abby unpacking motherhood. This would be a very good Mother's Day episode. <laughs> yes and no. Because, for us, not for Regina. Well, as a mother, this as mo- a this mother. episode infuriated me. Oh, it they, made well, me so anxious. Because they also, there's no reason for her to need to know Emma's name. Because they also never find any information on her. Like, oh, this is, this is Emma. She's got O-type blood and she's pre-diabetic. She, you know, whatever. Like, whatever. Like, that's never covered. She just finds out the name and freaks out. 
She doesn't even find the name. She just finds out where she was found. Oh, that's right. I can't figure out the name, but I've definitely figured out that this woman as a child was found in the woods near Storybrooke. But while she's trying to get the name, my favorite part of this whole thing is that, that she just like randomly hands Henry to Snow. Or to Mary Margaret in the hospital. And Mary Margaret's just like, oh, I guess I'll hold a baby now. And and Henry stops crying. And it reminded me of the thing where it's just like dogs and babies can smell evil. So that's why they cry. And that never, like, it's like a weird undercurrent of that episode. Where mm-hmm. it's just like, well, of course he's not going to cry when Mary Margaret holds him. Because she is Snow White and she's amazing. Going to cry constantly when held by the evil queen. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway. Anyway. Well, she gets some lessons from Snow, a little bit from Granny here, a little bit from Dr. Will there. And while Sydney is getting that information, uh, she starts bonding a little bit with Henry. She gets him to stop crying. They they share a moment. She She starts bonding with him, which, you know, like anyone who tells you bonding, birth or adoption happens right away is, is lying. Liars. Liars. It, it can happen right away, which is great. It can happen... In a couple of days, also great. It can, you can have postpartum for weeks or even longer, and that's fine. All of it is fine. So Regina taking a day to bond with her new adopted son that she literally met after she'd signed the paperwork is fine. This is fine. You, you, okay, again, this is just me unpacking motherhood information, but it's just like, yeah, you're not, like, they do the skin-to-skin contact so you can help with that bond. Not everybody is like, it's why I, I tend to not tell people how my bonding process worked, because with me, I fall instantaneously in love with every dog walking down the street. I have very real, very immediate feelings of love for everything. I love everybody. I'm a big squishy ball of love monster. My bonding was not a was I'm not gonna say a slam dunk, but it was fine. Some people it takes longer, especially like with dads. Like so this would she would probably have more akin to like the way that dads feel the bonding process. Cause some dads have a hard time bonding with babies. Because A, they don't get to do much, but that's different from what Regina's going through. But also because babies don't do anything. They're just little tiny chores that don't do anything other than cry. So like it's hard to bond with something that you don't you can't interact with other than just talking to and it doesn't respond. You yeah, know what I mean? Like you're just talking it, because yeah. you're exhausted and you have no one else to talk to and you really need to discuss the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race and no one else wants to listen to you. So you'll tell the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's, yeah, like no one goes over it. Being like you don't have to fall like head over heels in love and feel like a crushing sense of like wanting to defend the world against this child. That comes slowly and sometimes you don't notice it happening which is what regina did and And it's like very valid love yeah and that's what happened to me it took me a long time i mean even after he came out of niku because he was in there for a month and even after he came back it took me some time just because for the first month of his life i was only able to see him for like a couple hours a day and you know i what i was wearing a mask in a hospital with full of doctors coming and checking on him he is full of sensors like these it's it's it takes it takes it's all it comes in all shapes and sizes 
so Regina's is starting to happen for her and it's very sweet, but the love is uh, put on hold once Regina gets a little bit of information from Sydney. The piece about the woman who gave birth to her son is a woman who was found as a baby outside of Storybrooke 18 years ago. Oh no! Oh no! You know what this means? Okay. Abby, do you know what this means? No. It means that the showrunners broke their own timeline. Yes, they did. This is so, okay, like, and it's, I'm going to just list all the ways this breaks the timeline. Let's go. Let's go. First, she goes to Rumple and is like, how dare you? You gave me this baby that you well knew was... You know, the the daughter of the savior. He's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Now, the showrunners in an interview had, before this episode came out, explicitly said Rumble's memories didn't surface until Emma came to town. That when he said her name, his memories came back. Hence why there was so much importance on him learning Emma's name. Because it was going to be the trigger for him to wake up from the, from, from the, from the curse. If that's the case, getting Henry would have just been lucky happenstance that, you know, everything was meant to happen for a reason. I'm fine with that. But now they've added this layer of Regina knew, knowing ahead of time and then accusing Rumple of knowing ahead of time. But we don't know whether or not he actually knew ahead of time. They add it's a mystery if Rumple knew. But like the way they set it up, it's, you're supposed to surmise that, yeah, he knew. But the showrunner specifically said he would not have known. You know yeah, what I mean? This, it, it, it's confusing because they try to even set it like while she's ranting at him, like he's clearly like not aware of what's happening. Like he doesn't he doesn't understand the language she's using. So they he still seems not awake. Yeah. But it is weird that he immediately like because they don't expect the back channels that he takes or anything like that of how he got to Henry it it's just it doesn't it doesn't line up like it's just it's it's confusing and I understand like I I yeah like this doesn't make any sense this doesn't like it, but again it's 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 him being able to see the future he predicted this at the beginning of the episode right before the curse landed of being like listen I'm gonna go find a baby uh, that belongs to you and you're going to love him and he's going to fill the hole in your heart because that's how uh, healing and mental health works. And she was like, uh, okay. I, that, none of this makes sense. This whole flashback was unnecessary. I do not, in any, I at no point, I should have stated this up top, I at no point didn't believe Regina didn't love Henry. I'll put it that way. Like, I didn't need to see her figuring it out. To understand that she wanted to burn down Neverland to save Henry. Didn't need to see it. I'm okay with the backstory of how she first met Henry and how they first started to bond. I think that by itself is a great backstory. We get to see more of Regina. We get to see more of her point of view. We didn't need the the lore to be brought into it. Like yeah. Henry's connection to it all. Because the more they try to explain that, the less it makes sense. Just have it be fate. A fate is out of everybody's hands. Because that's the way the curse was set up. That's how Rumpel set it up. Is that fate would take its course and be out of all their hands. 
So, like... Agreed. And then they have the audacity to have Regina go back to Boston, baby in tow, be like... Oh, no. Take the baby back. I don't want him. The adoption agency's like, cool, we have a 30-day return policy. It's fine. I, I... Listen. Okay. I thought that the worst part about this scene was the fact that it was just a, here's the baby, here's his nap and feeding schedule, and the dude was just like, listen, this happens completely normal. This is all very, like, clinical, awful, I hate it. And then we find out who the family, I'm going to use air quotes here, lined up, and it's clearly two teenagers, one wearing glasses. Pan was trying to adopt baby Henry, Yeah. (laughs) Listen, there is absolutely no way that he knew enough to be able to adopt baby Henry to take it to Pan was going to come and steal this baby and to have not followed Regina and then taken him anyway. No. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, like. I, I'm flabbergasted because for 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 several reasons. One, why did they let Regina take Henry back? Like, no social worker is like, hmm, this woman returned, tried to return the baby, and then immediately is like, I won't return the baby. Maybe we should go visit her town. That one's the more egregious part. I don't, I don't take issue with her trying to be like, this isn't working. No, thank you. I can't. I'm sorry. I I don't take as much issue with that as I take issue with the fact that she was just like, he walked out of the room for 15 seconds, came back in, and she was like, nope, he's my son. That is how you get checked into a facility because clearly she is having some, like, crazy manic, like, Mm -hmm. she's all over the place. And that, again, things that come with adoption are, like, mental health and making sure that you're not going to abuse and be weird to this kid. That is an insane thing to do. She drove to Boston with a baby ready to dump him off in an office. And then, then went, nope, <laughs> never mind. JK guys, I'm gonna take this baby. This is my baby. I'm his mother. And they're like, cool. She figured it out. And it's like, no, this woman has no idea what she's doing. She is just, no. Yeah, this would be grounds for some serious follow-ups. But also, in the real world, they wouldn't have needed to do the follow-ups because they would have already seriously investigated her and her town and deemed her unfit to adopt this child. This is why the adoption process is long. Is because they make sure that you didn't just wake up one day and decide, I want a baby. You're not going to adopt a kid, so your Instagram following will go higher. They make sure that you are committed to your to your decision. Unlike Regina, who woke up on a Tuesday and got a baby on a Friday. It's not how it works. And they gave up the baby on a Monday. <laughs> and then she changed her mind again, so lo and behold, you have... John and Peter, who were apparently the couple who were trying to adopt Henry because they knew that that was the boy that Peter was going to need, even though he's a baby. This made no sense from a narrative standpoint. And it also didn't seem to make a lot of sense from a legal standpoint. Were they 
pretending to be a same-sex couple, in which case they can adopt, or were they trying to adopt as a pair of brothers? Because I don't know if you can do that. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I, I should have looked this up. I'm not sure as a same-sex couple at that time. They would, could. And starting they in could. 1993, I have it up on my, I have it on my computer. Well, in Massachusetts, yes. they could. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. That's in what I, I'm like. Well, yes. Okay. Okay. Making sure. But yes, that also, again, it doesn't make sense because what we know, all we know is that Pan is looking for one single child with this face of a 10 year old. <laughs> they don't have his name. They don't know anything. They, they, they hijacked Balefire because they think that it might be him. It's not him. They, they hold him up to do the thing. There is no way. It, again, let's just talk about babies. My kid, I'm looking at his, he's five. When I look at his baby pictures, his brand new, just this is a fresh child, looks nothing like he looks now. Like you can kind of see it. Like you can, there's a little bit of a structure. But when they are, for, like the first couple of, like the first month, we'll just say the first month, they are little alien children who like eventually kind of grow into their body form. There is no way, none, zero, absolutely none, that they knew that that's Henry. Unless they had more information than they seemed to be going off of in the earlier episodes. It just seemed like they were trying to just find this face. Yeah, and if that was the case, then why would they have been continually taking young children, young boys, in the hope that one of them would be the heart of the truest believer? Like, this... This was a weird backfill thing that they did not need. This would have been much better to not actually show who the parents were that were trying to adopt the baby. Tease it for later. Use that as a future storyline, like what they did with Rumpel's father that turned into Peter Pan because that wasn't the original plan. So, like, use this stuff. Don't throw John and Michael in there as two I, brothers in disguise maybe as a gay couple like, try to, they, they just no. look like two hipsters who were like we're using this for our art installations like what is happening <laughs> well anyway we close this whole storyline out with Regina taking Henry to her father's uh, grave slash underground magic mausoleum. palace yes oh, the mausoleum no. so she brews a potion because she needs to forget about all this. But I want to point this out. She did not make an amnesia potion. She made a potion to get rid of her fears and her she doubts. She made Xanax. She gave herself, she made a liquid Xanax. So as far as we know, she still knows that the savior is Henry's mother. So there is like, and I watched the first episode. There's nothing in there that indicates she knows who this woman is. Like, I, if you make an amnesia potion, make it a freaking amnesia potion. Don't word it in a way where we're like, girls don't I, remember. I, I, first of all, like, I mean, this takes a, this, this is the part I got the whole time. I'm just like, she needs treated and she needs talked about, about postpartum or adoption blues or whatever you call it. She needs someone to evaluate her and to take something for it. Oh, She's taking something for it. <laughs> it's whiskey, uh, but it's something, I guess. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be amnesia because she turned around. My favorite part of this, because I thought she was going to turn around and be like, oh, a baby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh, we're at this kid here. <laughs> but this whole thing, like, and the whole thing, top to bottom, 
I, you know, we're, we're bagging on everything. Like I, I liked the, the montage of her, like with Henry and stuff like that. Fine. I get that part. I didn't need to see how she acquired him or any of that other stuff. Like that all could have just been whatever. All of our flashbacks could have just been her trouble adjusting to being like from being an evil queen who's in control of everything and a just like a type a black and white mayor of a town that everything she can control to having this just like bomb dropped on her of a baby and like that would have been fine but then it closes out and this is the part that just made my skin all want to crawl off my body the little story she's telling henry as she's brewing the potion I was kind of explaining this to you a couple of weeks ago, just in general, about the the idea of the toxic boy mom culture of just being like, oh, yes, he's so wonderful and everything. This whole little thing just creeped me out so much. I don't know why. It's not like she was saying he was a king, like she was a queen and he was a king. She was saying little prince, but the way she was talking and the way that it was coming off, like it just, it didn't... I didn't like this. I didn't like any of this. I hated it. Hated this whole last scene. I would have rather this whole... Sorry. (coughs) Sorry. I would have rather this whole flashback be focused on their relationship and not bring the lore, like I said, the lore into it. Because in the end, the lore isn't what this episode is about. This backstory is solely designed to, to make us better understand Regina's love for Henry. So they actually failed in that by making it more about the why instead of the, or like the how and the why instead of just the what it is. And what it is, is her love for her son. And that's a big focus in in Neverland as they are trying to fulfill the title of the episode. So they, they did this a lot better in season one. And I can tell you that I can tell you exactly why. There is a line, it's a throwaway line that Regina has to Emma where Emma's trying to like shoehorn herself in at the beginning and Regina makes some comment about that Emma wasn't there. She did not stay up all night when he was sick with a fever. She wasn't there to like make him feel better. She was not there. She just wasn't there. I think about that line every time, I and I'm not kidding, this is a, a real thing. <laughs> every time my son gets a fever of any sort, I think of that Regina line because I'll just sit with him because I don't want to go very far from him. And it'll just be that line of you didn't stay up all night with him while he had a fever. Like, it's just such a like that meant so much more that throwaway line than this whole flashback that we got, because it didn't like you said, it didn't show that she loved him. It just showed how she got him. And then she took liquid Xanax to not be stressed out about the impending savior to break her curse, which she'd need a lot more. Is she taking that like on a weekly basis or is that a one shot and you're done situation? Like I have questions about the potion. Uh, Anyway, anyway, well, let's go to Neverland and um, figure out how to stop Peter Pan once and for all. So, this, all of these cutbacks were just so chaotic. I, by the time they did the very last reveal, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I see what's happening here. Like, I I feel like I knew what was happening, so I was, like, trying to watch for it. But it was just, it was intercut so weirdly between that and the weird flashbacks that I was having trouble, like, 
processing what was happening. So we get to Regina, Emma, and Neil, who are in the little cave, like just right where we last left off in the last episode. And Henry is incapacitated on the floor because his heart, his little golden, everything is fine heart has been ripped from his tiny body. And so Regina puts him in like a, she puts him in like a stasis. She's like, here is a, here is a thing. He'll be fine for one hour. Cool. There are the stakes. The stakes are he's in it for an hour. We got to go fast. And the plan is to go find Pam. Because Pam just flies away. his face. Yeah, we cut Pam's face. Yeah, we cut Pam's face. And it's always like, does he not bleed? Um, Because Pam's just like, I can do whatever I want until the heart takes. Like, there's another weird caveat of, like, he's not now, like, immortal and everything's wonderful. Like, there's, like, a weird cooling off period. Like. Yeah. Like, it's like a COVID vaccine. Like, it doesn't work the moment you get it. You got to, like, wait for two weeks. You got to wait for the fever to break. It's a whole situation. And, yeah, he's he's and, he's building the antibodies. I just, oh, my God. He's got to, he's, like, swinging his arm in the parking lot. Just, like. Oh. The antibodies of the truest believer. Ah, the antibodies. Um. So he, so he flies off. So they, they do the stasis thing. And then like this whole time, Emma and Regina are having this just like mom off of like, like who, who's more upset that Henry is in the state. And it's like, this conversation is insane. Does not need to be happening. So they decide they're going to go find Pan. So they're going to go to Pan's base and they have the whole team, whole squads lined up. It's Emma, Neil, Charming, Snow, Tink, Regina. Let's go. Oh, I'm sorry. We also release Rumple. Do we release Rumple right away? No, no we don't because they didn't Rumpel have right him because we don't Pan release still right had away. him. And also, right. we don't get the whole squad because they all decide to split up, split the party. Always well, a good idea. Well, first, oh yeah, and then because like Hook and Tank go to the boat, mm-hmm. so they're so okay. So Emma goes and she is going to like con the children, the lost boys. Uh, into telling them where Pan is. And she's like, because what every child needs, a mother. It's like, Emma, chill out. Like, I wish Snow would have said that, I think, more than Emma, I guess. Yeah. Because it seemed more offensive. Like, it should have bummed Mary Margaret out a lot more than it did. Because she's like, what every child wants and needs, a mother. I didn't have one. Not to be that person. Not everybody has a mother in their lives, and that's fine. That is fine. Yeah, it's just Emma dunking on people with two dads. Like, (laughs) just like... (laughs) All the single dads watching Once Upon a Time being like, damn, Emma, that's cold. Emma meets someone with, like, lesbian moms and just has a full mental breakdown. Uh, Like, no, why do you get two moms? There's Um, too many moms. There's just too many moms. So she's like, what everyone, a mom. But she's not being a mom in this situation. She's just being like a creepy adult. (laughs) She's being a bailed bonds person. She's also being a bailed bonds person. She's like, listen, I'll take you guys home with me. Like the whole squad. I'm going to take all of you. You're all my children now. If you just tell me where Pan is, I have a van with puppies and candy and cookies. It's great. And then my house is basically a castle. Do you want to come live in a tiny dumpy town with overrun with adults who have a lot of problems? 
yes, please. So the the, the youngest child breaks first, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because our boy, our boy uh, does not break. Felix the shit? No, he Felix, is loyal Felix, to the end. You know what? Felix is a shithead, but you know what? 10 out of 10 for loyalty. Like, he at no point cracks. He, no. this kid, I don't know what's going on with him, but like, he just starts looking like, I feel like he went like full character actor for this. Like, it looks like he stops eating at a certain point because he just looks just so gaunt and just his cheeks suddenly get more hollow every episode. Like, he just, maybe it's the mom and me. I just want to feed him. I'm just like, please. Just, but he's I, refusing food from anyone who isn't pan. So maybe the actor's he, full method was refusing just, any he, food that wasn't This kid was absolutely K. unsufferable on set. Just like, he's just like, pan is the only one who could tell me to do it. They had to have like, like actor for pan tell him to come to set. Like, it's a whole thing. So the kid, the littlest one breaks first. And she's like, he's like, he's in his thinking tree. <laughs> it's where he goes when he wants to be alone because he's a melodramatic teenager. Still. It, and they're like, nah, okay. I mean, we all know the real reason, Abby. It's because they already built the set. It's they already built the set. It's the tree from before. So they're like, okay, we're going to get you guys all on the Jolly Roger, and we're I'm going to take you all home with me. Like, it's just like I found, like, a whole bunch of puppies. It's so wonderful. And they're just like, thank you. Because, yeah, living with Pan, not great for a lot of them. They just don't like it. I do wish, now that we talked about the fact that, like, they were just hunting for a very specific boy based on the picture, I wish it had just been a bunch of kids that vaguely looked like Henry in various <laughs> states of decay of their flannel shirts. Like, they were all kind of just the same. They all had, the, like, the mop top of brown hair and the big, like, the big cute cheeks and stuff. They all looked vaguely like Henry, but weren't quite Henry. <laughs> like, damn it, this one's got emerald eyes. Damn it, this one's got brown eyes. Um... So they're like, yeah, we're going to go to the, again, a lot of just exposition about the pixie dust and the trees and stuff. They're like, oh, it's the last pixie dust, the last trees. That's where he goes. It's where he goes when he wants to be alone. It's like, gross. Then how so, do you know about it? Yeah. How do you know? Yeah, weird little shit. And the whole time Felix is just like, traitor. He's just Kylo Ren voice. Traitor. <laughs> He's like seconds from like lunging at them, lunging at these boys being like, I will kill you. He tries, but Hook has his hook on his shoulder and is, like, he barely flexes. Like, it's like the, like, the kid stands up and then Hook just pushes him down just a little bit. So this is either just, like, really lazy, like, pantomiming on their part, or it was just one of those, just sit down, man. Just sit down. Okay, I'll sit down. So that's when they, they, like, Hook and Tink go to, uh... Also, the Wendy's boat. there and never says anything. Wendy is just sitting there with her hands in her lap, just sad. She served her she, plot purpose. She served her plot purpose. She just needs to be there for the last scene with Tink. So Tink and Hook take the children back to the Jolly Roger, all the lost boys. Oh, also of note, Emma refers to herself as a lost girl and it's, eh, it dropped weird. It dropped weird. It was just like, ah, I don't So they go, uh, <laughs> Emma is telling Neil, listen, I'm going to go with Regina and we're going to go get Pan. And Snow is just like, if you think I'm like, she's like, if I have to spend the rest of eternity here, you'll be damned if you think I'm not going to go with my daughter. And Emma doesn't fight this at all. She's like, fine, let's go. So they decide to go. Wait, wait I, I do want to point out Charming doesn't do that. No, Charming. Char- oh, my God. Charming. I swear to God. Charming is just like, I guess I'll go do literally anything else. 
because uh, you're fine. Because we're doing like borderline of forced Avengers girl power moment because it's got to be Mary Margaret and Emma. It's got to be the moms against the the dead. Don't worry. We got him. So they go out into the woods. They see Pandora's box sitting there. And Regina's just like, no, he would not just have left that thing there. And there's like, well, I don't care. I'm going to take it anyway. And so Regina's right. So they end up vined to a tree. The pantomiming for this was really bad. The CG of whatever. This whole scene was just... I I want to see the next episode to see I, I I don't know. This whole scene was just so lumpy and forced because it was just like, look, let's just do more exposition about Emma and Snow and, and Regina and stuff. All this does, all this does is lead to Regina's moment of you know, I'm a super mom. I love the most. Therefore, my mom energy, which they, like, as the old wives' tale says, or not even old wives' tale, but as legend states, you could lift an entire car with your mother adrenaline. Uh, she can break through vines on a tree. And so she breaks through the tree uh, and rips Henry's heart from Pan's chest. And they leave. Ta-da, we did it. And this is a very, um, it's just so quick. It happens so fast and not in a narratively satisfying way. It's like they rip it, pan falls down, and then he just like reaches for the box, like the bricks, and then they just they just take it and leave. And then like so when pan comes back, it didn't feel narratively satisfying. No, because I feel like you knew the moment that that started happening. You're just like, oh, they're being screwed with. Because none of this was Emma's plan. Emma's plan was not to get vine to a tree. Like, none of this was a plan. This yeah, they but, got screwed. but none of it was their plan. But none of this was Pan's plan either. Pan didn't have a plan. This is like the one time where Pan didn't have like but, when he went to the boat to get to attack Henry. I think that was a reaction. I don't think that was a plan. I, but I do think that Pan did have a plan because he, Pan's plan, because he left the box out to trap them. Like that, that part he got to, but I think Regina busting out of the vines did shock him. Yes. He did have like a weird, he did have a weird throwaway line of like, I know more than most about like mothers. And it's just like, what? Talking about, uh, is it because you keep stealing children from mothers and you know that they're just quite the annoyance? But I just, I, I, I wish this would have been more like we, this was being built up to be such a like mom power moment. And it, Emma and Mary Margaret kind of do nothing. Uh, but Regina's just like the one that I love the most. And so that's, that's the part where it, that happened. They incapacitate Pan, they take the box and then they run and they're like, we did it. Like solved very George W. Bush with the mission accomplished sign. You're just like, you can feel it. You can feel that something's wrong this entire, like the last 10 minutes of the episode, you're just like, this is something right. I don't like it. Least of all the part where Regina's down in the brig or wherever with Henry and Henry's just lying there like, okay. And she's doting on him a lot more than normal, obviously, because we saw our flashback. So we had to have her call him little prince, which she's never called him before, uh, which was weird. And then, just be like, okay, well, I'm going to leave. No. Never leaving. 
<laughs> no, she would, I, she would sleep down there in that no, brig. No, yeah. There would have just been a, I'd have been clapping my hands to have someone bring food to me. This child would never leave my sight. Like, there, absolutely no. So she leaves and Pan attacks. Well, and that's the whole thing is like, were they trying to make Henry bait? Because otherwise, why would you leave him alone? There's no reason for it. it there's yeah. none. And so she goes up. So Pan shows up. While Pan is down there, like, they're, they're, this is all real quick, so I'm just going to go back up to the, the thing. They release Pan's shadow up top. Regina holds on to him and is just like, well, he'll have to show us the way out. Or who knows? And so it's all this real, like, victory. Everyone's high-fiving. There's this weird scene with Emma and Charming that just, it seemed too quick because it seemed like Charming was stepping all over Emma's lines. So it just, like, it didn't, (laughs) it was weird. Where she was just like, it was a great plan. He was like, no, it's because of teamwork. When we came, you said that we'd all have to work as a team. And turns out, you're right. We did have to work as a team. Yay. We release Rumple from the box. Neil smiles and listen, I'm gonna tell you, I I I wrote nothing down about this episode, but I thought about writing down the part where I was like, when Neil smiled when he saw Rumple come out of that box, I was like, there it is. There's the reason people fawn all over him. That's a 10 out of 10 smile. Oh my yeah. god. Like, holy cow, I'm glad I'm sitting down. Like, it's just like that was just the the cutest, most adorable, wonderful smile in the whole world. And so they release Rumple, and Rumple's like, finally, you've released me. Pan is my father. And they're like, why? And he's like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I didn't want you to think that I was a bad dad like like my dad was a bad dad. <laughs> Just like Neil very disingenuously be like, you're not, you're not bad. Like, what did he say? He said a very specific it's like thing. Like, you're not the like, same. You're not like the that. same. I'm not telling you you're not a bad dad, but you're not that bad of a dad. I don't know how bad of a dad Pan was, but I'm sure you're not that bad. <laughs> cool. That that does that's a hug moment. And so we're we're going, we're going. He's like, you know, Hulk has to say one line for the episode, so he's like, I sure hope we have a Pegasus sale. And they're like, Nope, we've got the thing. It, it'll it'll sail. We're fine. Uh, and then Wendy gives Tink the the jar of the last pixie dust. And so then they have a little exposition back and forth of being like, well, I don't have magic and this is inert and whatever. And then Tink later may have a spark of magic because she, because Wendy says she believes she's like, I believe in you Tink. I'm like, Oh my God, why is this a listening interaction? It's so terrible. I love this (laughs) also because, and this isn't on the actress. This is just, Top buns don't work for everybody. This bun doesn't work for me as Tink. She looks more like, um, I don't know how to say this. She she just doesn't look like Tink in this moment, if that makes sense. No, it's a very of its time hairstyle. Like messy top buns were such a thing in the early 2000s, like early 2010s. Like this was like. You would buy like the bump thing to like wrap know, your bun around the bump to make it. It didn't look even big. look like a like it didn't look even like it was like part of our time. Like it didn't look like an old hairstyle. It looked like an old in hairstyle. Like it looked like she should been wearing like eighteen hundreds clothes or something. Like it was just like she should be like sh- shaking a ruler at somebody. Like it 
it didn't look right. It didn't look like the 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 Tink bun. Like as Tink's bun is, I don't know. Maybe it's different. I don't know. She's a cartoon. Who I don't know what I'm talking Neverland. about. Neverland. She didn't have a comb. I, she she probably had a comb. She just didn't have product. So it's she just didn't tough have a, out there. She didn't have a bump it. It's just tough out there. Emma's hair, on the other hand, looks ten out of ten amazing. So maybe she should talk to like maybe maybe she brought some stuff. I don't know. But so meanwhile, fine. Pan is trying to murder Henry, but can't because. Magic blocker. I first of all, I love that the only reason anyone knows anything's happening below deck is because Rumple turns and there's like this like Pantene air blow through his hair. Pants here. <laughs> oh my god, I loved it so much. Um, so we go down and then Pan is acting feral. He's just like this isn't supposed to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that uh, Regina put a uh, uh, no one can take your heart spell on him. So pff, here you go. Cut to Pan trying to take Henry's heart and it's not working. So he tries to Uno reverse a little bit and take his shadow. So he's trying to rip Henry's shadow out. And I love that. First of all, I love that they double down on the hen on the shadow with two eyes situation where I'm like, stop, please stop giving them golden eyes, please. He's trying to do that, and Henry's like, I don't know what's happening. And they all run downstairs, and uh, Rumple Pandora boxes Pan and says, blood magic works the other way. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Blood magic is still blood magic. If it worked the one way, obviously it works the other way. That's how, you know what, whatever, cool, good job, you did it, Rumple. And we have Pan in the box, and everyone's really excited. Yay! You do? Hmm. Because there's, there's, there was a moment that happened. Uh, and we, we got then, a little bit of like a Jacob Black werewolf eyes situation. I I loved this so much. I don't know why. It was just so stilted for, for whatever. So Henry, air quotes, walks up to Felix, who is continuing his hunger strike, uh, and is just like, I won't eat from you. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you believe in Pan because Pan always wins. And you can tell immediately, like, you could kind of tell when he was talking to Regina that he was speaking differently. Because yeah. Henry, because Regina says something like, you know, pizza and too much something. And he and, and Henry's just response was, pizza is good. Like, it, well, <laughs> lunatic thing to say. And so uh, Henry, air quotes, is talking to Felix and is just like, Pan always wins. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. And they're like, ah, yes. And they have this like weird thing where like the poor actor who's playing Henry is trying to emulate the way Pan spoke. And it, it just doesn't feel, it does it doesn't feel as natural, obviously. And maybe that's the point, but it was just one of those, you know, immediately like whatever. And he's like, yes, I am. And he's like, thank you. And Felix looks at him, thank you. He takes the plate, pan, and they just short of start maniacal laughter. I just wanted them to start laughing into the night. <laughs> just like, so. I feel like it would have been a little easier, I mean, for the story if Jared Gilmore had been like trying a slightly British accent when he was like being himself as pan because... Just because he's in another body doesn't mean he would lose his accent, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. maybe like, yeah. he, you know, as Henry, he speaks a little bit weird. But then when he's speaking as Peter Pan, he kind of goes back into this British accent, which would have probably helped Jared Gilmore a little bit in embodying this other person. Because yeah. 
because um, accent work always helps, like, put you in the shoes of somebody else. Well, yeah, because an accent is just how you speak. It's how you move the muscles and it's how you enunciate. So Pan would speak the same in Henry's body as he would in his own because you're going to move the same muscles in this or the different muscles in the same way. Thinking about this too much. Uh, yeah, anyway, Pan is Henry, and no one knows, but they're going back to Storybrooke. Oh, no! This episode was not good. I didn't like it. <laughs> I remember liking it more when I first saw it, and I will note that the reviews and reception were very positive when it came out. People really liked Regina's storyline. They liked the whole big cliffhanger that it was actually Peter Pan who made a body switcheroo. Like, I get it. I remember being very much like, oh, Henry's in, no, Peter Pan is in Henry's body. What's gonna, what's it gonna mean? I, I feel like Abby, like, as one, as parents, and two, as people who've seen through the end of the series and know what Regina's love is capable of makes this whole thing not feel enough because we see so much so many better examples of her love for her son and how that spreads to the rest of her life so this like just kind of i don't know i this might be just a a hindsight thing yeah i think so also you and i i i mean i'll say personally in just doing this podcast and talking about several different shows and different perspectives, my media literacy and critical analysis of the things that I'm reading slash watching has gone all the way through the roof. Like I am at a completely different skill level than I was when we started this whole thing. Um, and for better or worse, I think a lot of people think we're bagging on something a lot more than we are when we're just an- analyzing it. Uh, but to be fair, again, like I said, I didn't care for this episode. I knew it was coming. So again, I remember it happening <laughs> somewhere in the deep recesses of my brain. I remember watching it. So I knew that the spoiler was coming or the, the last part was coming. But yeah, it just, I don't know if it's a product of its time, as we talked about with like Tink's hair, uh, or if it was just on a rewatch with fresh eyes, powering through these like we've been doing. Maybe it's giving us a different perspective than a week to week season to season viewer would when the first reviews came out. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, there's not been a lot about this storyline that has been egregious for me. I mean, there's been some stuff here and there, but other <laughs> charming, just put charming as a caveat, asterisk charming, but like this, this, uh, they started screwing with timelines, like work within what you've got. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, The only thing I'll add to it is I kind of want to be a little sympathetic to the episode because I, I feel like, like I'm trying to envision what it was like seeing this for the first time, not having seen anything else in the season. Cause in the first season, Regina is the bad guy. (laughs) She is, Henry is calling her the evil queen. He doesn't see her as his mother. He's turning to Emma to be the mother figure in his life. And seasons one and two are very much about, even into three, are about Emma recognizing her role as Henry's mother and accepting it. 
Regina doesn't get to do that because she is all about controlling Henry. That's her, much of her arc into season two is her going to Cora because she's afraid of losing Henry. So it's not about her love. It's about her need to control. So like, if we look at this episode as the first example of show, don't tell Regina's actual love for Henry as a person, as opposed to her need to control him and keep him from Emma I get why people would really respond to this because we are now seeing, wow, actually Regina's relationship with Henry does deserve to be preserved and does deserve to thrive. But given what you and I know about how much better this is explored later, like this, it falls short in comparison. So like I'm conflicted because I didn't like the episode on a rewatch, but I do remember liking it the first time around. Yeah, and I agree with you, but it might just be different eyes because, I mean, again, we have been, let's see, we have been talking about this episode for a while. Um, (laughs) Ain't that the thing? Admittedly, 40 minutes of this has just been you and I talking about our children, uh, which I was about to apologize for. I'm not actually sorry. Um, But it's just, I I think there is a different perspective that comes with it, and that's fine, and it's not, I don't want to say that it's, like, stereotypical or anything, like, or... I don't want to negate it. I don't want to say people that don't have kids can't get the same version of this, but I think that there's a difference. This is why I think it's a product of its time. Because at the time, there was such a different view of motherhood, and which is wild because it's only like 10, little over 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so much has changed in the world. So much has changed in the world in the last two years, let alone the last decade. And so there is so much more that we're packing in our brains and looking at things in a lot different ways. And so I could see how, like, narratively, this does not stand the test of time. Obviously, the CG never does. The CG was always going to be batting zero. It's always going to be outdated. But you know what? But that's what we love about it. I love the cheesiness. But I I do wish, again, as a a person in, in the year 2021 who has seen this play out with not only herself, but with other people and knows a lot of like different things about the world. I, I've no longer been liking when we're very like blase about big world issues. Like this is a big thing. There's a representation of adoption that should take place. It's kind of like, this is nothing, this is not at all the same, but like when the army is involved or the military is involved in a production, Like, if you want to put the military in media, the military is involved to make sure that it's shown a certain way. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying adoption specifically, but things like adoption should have a similar, like, that's why people love scrubs, because there was medical people on staff to say, hey, this is, don't say this, say this instead, made it nicer. And a lot of shows about, um, like, the military, um, not just, like, the Marvel movies, but shows about the military will have veterans on the mm-hmm. writing staff to, right, which, to add yeah. accuracy. Which is something that I think with things, if you don't know about a topic like adoption, I wish someone, well, you have to know somebody. There's got to be like a six degree of separation to find somebody that that knows the process at least enough to, to give you a firsthand account for you to maybe work through. 
Because one person's experience is literally enough. I highly doubt anyone's experience was what Regina went through. Well, I had the baby for 48 hours and I tried to give it back, but then I changed my mind and they were fine with it. But they never did a home visit, which I thought was strange. <laughs> but the, anyway. The, the thing I will close on with this that I do want to give the episode credit for, especially within the context of its time, is it did make us feel for Regina as she feared she wasn't good enough for her son. Like her her anxiety about him crying, uh, being unable to soothe him, fearing that she could not take care of him. That's a real thing. And that's not, especially for a single, you know. Oh yeah. She's a single mother. I think that even though I don't think the execution was good, I really appreciate the intent of that. And I do want to acknowledge that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, nothing I else. <laughs> we don't I, to yeah, I was going to say, like, the way that the, I think the biggest problem I had with the episode was just how it was structured. It just, especially the last, like, I'm going to say 15 to 20 minutes just were absolutely out of control. Uh, but yeah, this, I'm, 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 I didn't, you know what? Flashback about five years to us and me saying the words out loud. I'm sad to see the pan storyline getting ready to close. <laughs> I remember not liking this. I like so much of this pan storyline. This not this this notwithstanding, but I'm sad that it's ending. Weird. The, we're leaving this, Neverland. We're leave leaving Neverland. Ah. Oh. <laughs> well, guys, that was season three, episode nine. Save Henry and save Henry. We did, but also we didn't because did now we? Henry is in a box. <laughs> did. <laughs> No, I mean temporarily. I mean, put put a pin in that. Yeah, <laughs> stop gap. We'll we'll we'll, we'll come we back just, to it. We're 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 saving Henry. Like it's we're we're working on it. It's in the it's process. an ongoing process. You guys, saving Henry Sh- is not a. It's a full children are a lot job. of children are a lot of work. You're never done. <laughs> you know, a mother's work is never done. Well, of course, we want to um, thank all of our wonderful listeners and supporters, especially our uh, our patrons. I want to um, give a special shout out to our Snow Queen level patrons. That's going to be Cecile Jenny, ZDF, Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcult, Philip Korn, Samantha Hussel, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul, Ryan, Gregor Kiss. I've been saying his last name wrong the whole time. And I apologize. <gasps> I know. I'm a monster. <laughs> Emily, Rachel Zucker, La Femme Fictionnelle, Erica Farrow, The Salt in Our Stars, and Zach Trobanoff. If I am butchering anyone else's last names, please let me know on Patreon. Or you can head there yourself. Patreon.com slash OUA Timing if you'd like to become a supporter of the show. You get early access. Uh, Some of our patrons get bonus episodes. Uh, We are planning our next one as we speak. And then, of course, special shout-outs for our Snow Queens. You can subscribe to us on Apple Spreaker. Apple Spreaker. (laughs) Or wherever you get your podcasts. Just podcast places. Uh, You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can follow us on Twitter. I am personally at Beth Alderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with season three, episode 10, The New Neverland. And Abby, I've already started watching this one. It's going to be really funny to talk about. So excited. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so Abby, excited. Abby, the, the, this is when 
uh, Jennifer Goodwin's baby bump really starts to show in a way they don't want it to. Oh, guys, I love it when actresses are trying to hide a baby bump so much. It is my favorite thing to watch for. Oh, you're going to love this one. Oh, oh, baby bump watch 2021. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.